Yo, yo, yo. It is Tuesday, October 5th. It is the macro setup. I'm Guy Adami. I'm joined. Listen, you know who I'm joined by. I'm joined by Dan Nathan. Today's macro setup is brought to you by our presenting sponsors, Nadex, the leading domestic change for binary options, call spreads, and knockouts. And today, by the way, we're going to join by the great Chris Vecchio, senior strategist at Daily FX, and of course, our friends. And you know what? They are our friends. We've gotten to know them over the last few year and a half. Open Exchange. They manage virtual meetings that matter for the top companies around the world. Dan, it's October. Before we get into it, I just want you to know, back in my commodities days, each month had a corresponding letter. And the letter for October was V. But the guys and gals in the know would not draw a V. They would draw an upside down V. Why? Because sometimes in your haste, a U, which is September, and a V, which is October, look similar. Uh, great fact for you. I'm sure you're bored out of your mind, but how are you, Dan? I'm doing great. Guy Diamond, this is a heck of a week for you, man. You got yeah, it your, is. You got yeah, your market sell-off. Your New York football giants got a win at the very last second. <laughs> your Yankees are in the postseason for a night. Let's see what happens tonight, okay? And then the Mets season's over. So you must yeah, be just yeah. you must just be in all your glory. At Cloud nine, baby. Cloud nine. And listen, we got baseball tonight. Do not put the horns on me. I don't even want to talk about that. But yes, the Mets. <laughs> by the way, the Mets season was over in May, but that's neither here nor there. Our top three this week, Dan, and I'd like to speak to them if I may. Tech turmoil. Oh, yeah, there's a tech turmoil. And if you watch the macro setup, if you watch Fast Money, if you watch anything that we do, Facebook has been front and center of this tech turmoil. Oh, We've been telling you about that for seemingly the last 18 months. Commodities gone wild, Dan. Isn't it that Joe Francis guy, Commodities Gone Wild? Didn't he do those shows back Family in the day? show, no. guy. Family show. Pardon we can't, we can't even Bitcoin go there. Bitcoin breaking out. Yes, it is breaking out above 50,000. But we got to start with the tech turmoil because that's front and center. That's what everybody's talking about. Obviously led by Facebook. But it's created some pressure in the broader market. Then, yeah. Well, there's a couple of things that we've been talking about for months now. Is just kind of the concentration of those top five names: Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, Facebook, and Microsoft. They made up over ten trillion dollars in market cap, nearly twenty five percent of the S and P five hundred weight, and about forty five percent of the weight of the Nasdaq one hundred. And we were just saying, listen, it just can't continue to go on like this, especially when you saw a lot of the devastation sort of under the hood there, you know, and I'll just say this is that there were some meaningful corrections. There's the S&P 500 down five and a half percent from its all time highs made about a month ago. But Apple sold off more than 10 percent. Amazon sold off about 15 percent. Facebook, 15 percent from its highs. Um, Even Google guy, double Mm -hmm. digits, down about 10 percent. It was just Microsoft that was down about eight and a half percent at its lows yesterday there. So we finally got the tech names coming in. But I think that you would tell us that this was already starting to happen when you had that rate surge. Ten year U.S. Treasury yield broke out, got I think we're trading north of one and a half percent right now. And that was really the impetus for the start of the sell off. Now people are assigning valuation concerns, growth concerns in a higher rate environment. And then obviously what went on with Facebook over the last couple of weeks with the whistleblower. No question. I mean, Facebook is clearly Facebook specific. I don't think it has any. I think you would agree with me. I don't think it has anything to do with interest rates whatsoever. Obviously, for some of these high uh, valuation names in tech, uh, rates do have a lot to do with it. And oh, by the way, whether rates like commodities or BC Vice, as they say, (laughs) 
the, the rate story is a story and the commodity story is a story that a lot of people are starting to wrap their head around now. We're going to look at a chart in a little while, but look at this chart here. We're talking about an S&P 500 that's basically traded down to that trend line. I would submit now the 4150 or so, uh, the 200-day moving average is in the crosshairs. Yesterday on Monday, we actually traded down 4270. We've found some 50 handles, which by the way, uh, is probably a good thing if you do think like I do that it's going to trend down to 4170 or 4150. But here we are, Dan, and the pressure is on yeah. and the pressure is coming in all different ways, shapes and forms, not least of which, by the way, uh, some of the geopolitical things that are going on with the Chinese as well, which is something we didn't even put in our top three. Well, or we didn't put the debt ceiling debate and all the goofiness going on in Washington with the infrastructure bill. I mean, there's a lot of headwinds out there, at least from a sentiment standpoint. And I think that one thing that's really interesting when you think about these trend lines, they've been basically up trend lines for about a year and a half or so, is that those dips have been bought each and every time mm -hmm. you've gotten back to that. So I guess the point, and you and I have been making this, is that I think we're kind of in a one step up, two steps back sort of situation, you are going to have bounces. Stocks or indices just don't go in a straight line to the place that you think they're going to go the way they're going to go here. And so I think today is a really important day in the market. I think there's a lot of people who are leaning bearish or saying this is the start of something. It's not the end of something. And a lot of the bulls are just saying, listen, we've been here before. We've had these three to 5% peak to trough declines. You buy them and we make new highs within a month or two, that sort of thing. That's how you make money in this market, you and I would just say that things might have changed. The ground might have been shifting a little bit below the investment community's feet over the last couple of months, and maybe the easy money has been made in the stocks. Ground has been shifting. By the way, one step forward, two steps back. Sounds like a lyric from a Bruce Springsteen song, I believe. You're probably familiar with that, but the ground Tunnel has love. been shifting. Thank you. See, I knew, see that, Dan? That's an excellent job Tunnel by you. Love. Listen, I will tell you, you're right. Some individual names have sold off significantly. The only thing that hadn't followed through has been the S&P 500. Now our next thing we're going to look at, which is the NDX. And here we are, seemingly as Carter Worth, the great Carter Braxton Worth, who, by the way, might be joining us soon in terms of some of the things that we're doing. I digress. Listen, <laughs> stop dead to the penny on this uptrend line. Again, 13,950 or so, the 200-day moving average. We're significantly away from there. But a break of this trend line, Dan, um, which we're right on the, on the precipice of, that's could a, get dicey very quickly. That's a tough word, precipice. Precipice. Um, yes. Yeah, I will just say this. You know, we talked about rates briefly for a second there back in Q1 when we saw that move in the 10 year from 1% to 177 uh, or so. We saw some major underperformance in all the major tech names. And one of the reasons were that you saw investors rotating in more GDP sensitive sort of names. The idea back then, guy, was that rates going higher were basically signaling that the economy was doing better and therefore the stock market should be okay with that, right? And so I know you want to say something right there, but what did they do? They came out of those recurring revenue names that seemed very defensive for the better part of the pandemic. Well, here we are, the NASDAQ or the NDX 100 has um, you know, outperformed to the downside during the sell-off versus the S&P 500. So you're seeing a bit of those rotations again. Again, really crucial technical level. It really feels like a break there. And we are easily at that 200-day. I'm glad you brought up a, a, an improving economy theoretically, because yeah. what we want to look at now, obviously, is the RTY, the, the small cap index effectively. And here we are now. This is going to tell the tale, Dan Nathan. This is just my opinion. But if rates are going higher, because the economy is improving, then guess what? 
This should explode to the upside, and we should break this basically sideways action we've been in since February. If, if rates are going higher for the wrong reasons because of these inflationary pressures, you could see this thing plummet. So we're in this very well-defined range. This, to me, Dan, out of all the things we look at, treasuries are important and the dollar is important. But in my opinion, this will tell the tale in why rates are going higher. Yeah, I think you nailed it, Guy. I think this chart, when I want to put something like a watermark, you know what a watermark is over mm, a chart? I know what that I is, I want yeah. to write the word stagflation. That's what this Russell 2000 chart speaks to me about. Because if you go back and look where the Russell topped out back in March, it's also when the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield topped out. And back then, I think the Russell or investors in small caps were saying that they sniffed out this thing right here and wasn't really about growth, right? It was about rising prices, which was benefiting a lot of names or a lot of industries within the Russell 2000. But it also spoke to the fact that maybe we'd see decelerating growth. And that's the last piece of this puzzle. When Q3 started, I think GDP estimates across the board were north of 8%. Mm -hmm. Now they're somewhere just a little above three or somewhere in between three and 4%. And who knows whether we get that growth back, right? Because we've definitely seen fits and starts of the global reflation trade here. So to me, that that chart in particular, Russell, is really important as you think about what's going on, whether we're going to see transitory price increases, or whether we're going to see a pickup back in growth. To me, I think you and I have been talking about it. It really feels like we're in a stagflationary environment. I agree. And yields are now, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this 10-year yield, which is right either side of 1.5%. But the move up to that 155 level that we saw last week was pretty dramatic in a very short period of time. And here we are. I've said it for a while. We some we sort of disagree on with, but that's what makes markets. You know, I think the volatility in the bond market is um, dangerous, and I think it's going to manifest itself into the equity market. At some point, it hasn't yet. But yields are moving. And if one of the mandates of our Federal Reserve is price stability, well, they ain't getting it in yields because this should be the most liquid asset on the face of the earth. And it's anything but trading, as I've said many times, like a biotech stock. I do think we're headed back to that 175 level. But before we get there, we probably have to break the short term downtrend line that you have so elegantly drawn. Yeah, I think the market is speaking here, Guy, that they think that the yield rise here is to help combat the higher prices, which is obviously part of their mandate. And that is one of the reasons why if we were to see growth accelerate and prices accelerate, where the Fed is going to have to start to taper and they're going to have to raise rates. We'll let Christopher Vecchio kind of weigh in on that when he comes in. But to me, I just don't think that we're going to have rates meaningfully higher than where you know the highest levels. This is a two-year chart over the last two years. If you think of all the sovereign debt that has been loaded onto balance sheets all over the world, they just can't service it at higher rates. So I think we're going to have very low rates for a very long time. Maybe you get back to your um, prior highs here from earlier this year or from 2019, but I see a downtrend guy. And if you look at the 30-year um, chart of the 10-year treasury, you know you just see upper left to bottom right. We went to zero basically, and I'm not sure we ever break that in a meaningful way. I don't know if you're a fan of the band the band, but they yeah. sang a song when I was there. The night they drove old Dixie down. Well, yeah. you know what? We haven't been able to drive this Dixie down. Dollar seems to be breaking out. We will talk to Chris Vecchio about that. We've said many times that I kid around about the wrecking ball that is a Katy Perry song or somebody <laughs> like that in the form of a rising dollar. But the dollar uh, has gotten off the mat yet once again. Now, it has found resistance at this sort of 94 level a number of times. The question is, do we break it? And what happens if and when we do? Because 
as we're going to talk about commodity prices seem to be going higher in the face of a stronger dollar. A lot of strange things happening here. I know Chris Vecchio has some thoughts. What are yours? Yeah, well, first things first, Guy, I do like the band, but Jerry Garcia and his band, when he was not with the Grateful Dead, they used to cover the night they Uh, drove old Dixie down. And it is truly, truly fabulous. So check it out on his double live album from probably 35 years ago. Great song. Um, It is about the Civil War, Guy. And we're having a little bit of a Civil War as it relates to currencies, you know, that whole fiat versus crypto thing or whatever. What you did there. Yeah, you see what I did there. Um, You know, I do think we break out here. If you were to look at that, that, that chart pattern right there, that looks like a beautiful double bottom here, um, cup and handle, whatever you want to call it. Um, You know, I think we're breaking out. And I think that if you think rates are going higher, I don't know how you could think the dollar is not going higher too. So to me, um, I think it's kind of gaining some steam for a breakout. So if that's the case, crude oil should be going lower because a rising dollar should be uh, detrimental or deleterious to the price of crude. Yet it's been anything but. And here we are, Dan. We're above that sort of level that we broke down from back in early summer. Crude is telling a story. Obviously, the underlying equities are telling a similar story. Is crude breaking out right before our very eyes? Of course it is. And, you know, listen, and I think you make a great point about the dollar. And we've talked about it on the macro setup in the past in 2014 when the Fed started to taper bond purchases and then the rate uh, hikes started to get priced in forward. What did we see? We saw the dollar rise precipitously, as you just mentioned, but we saw crude oil go down about 65% from its um, highs in 2013 to its lows in 2015. I think what's going on with crude right now is a very unique supply demand dynamic. We just had the OPEC um, plus, uh, you know, that was the impetus, I think, for this. And so, you know, I think you have stockpile, you have a lot of stuff going on in front of the winter season here. I do expect that to abate, especially if we see rates go higher and we see the dollar go higher. I know we're short on time i'm I, we're gonna look at a longer term chart because that's important but if you put plus on the end of everything doesn't that just negate the plus that the first person or group did it's so and i'm going to use this word asinine everything is plus disney plus hbo plus you know what i'm gonna put a minus and see what happens just because here's the longer term charts obviously skewed by that minus 39 dollar print we saw last spring but nonetheless here we are i think it illustrates the exact point you're making, you know, we're right here at these levels. Let's see what happens. I think we're going significantly higher. As a matter of fact, there's some people that I heard talking triple digit oil by the end of the year. Wouldn't that be interesting and problematic at the same time? Well, it would be problematic and it would go to that whole kind of stagflation discussion that we're having. I mean, that could be the one thing when you think about consumer balance sheets and the government transfers and it really have been um, a huge boon, right? Especially at a time where we've seen expanded unemployment benefits roll off. We still have, I think, seven to eight million Americans who are still unemployed um, that were employed prior to the pandemic. So higher Crude is just a tax on consumers here. And we know that we're already going to have higher prices as it relates to the bottlenecks with supply chains um, and shipping costs are through the roof. So FedEx already told us that this is going to be a difficult uh, holiday uh, selling season. I think Amazon stock price, guy, unchanged or down on the year, down considerably over the last couple of months since they gave their Q3 uh, guidance is also telling you simpler. simpler. So, uh, you know, I railed for a better part of the summer about the whole transitory thing. And this 
since then, I kind of was wrong. And, and, you know, and really came down to what is your definition of transitory and what else is going on uh, in the economy. And it just seems like we're going to be having to deal with higher prices. And this chart right here, the CRB, uh, the oh, commodity yeah. index, basically at all time highs, it just kind of get banging up against levels that it's been in uh, from 2011. I expect that to abate. I just don't know, as you don't know, I don't know what your crystal ball is telling you when that's going to happen, but these sorts of moves are not sustainable. Yeah. I left my crystal ball uh, in, in my, in my uh, foyer earlier today. Yeah. So I don't have it with me. You mentioned Boone, by the way, he was the boyfriend in animal house that was scorned for Don Sutherland, but that's an entirely different show. CRB index is telling you everything you need to know. This move has been dramatic to say the least, obviously crude, a huge component of that, but some of these base metals that we rarely talk about, you look at what's been going on in aluminum and Oh, by the way, you want to shove that gas in there as well. A lot of things going on below the surface. CRB is telling the story. Let's see if the fed has this right. I don't think they do, but I think one thing you've been spot on about is Bitcoin, Dan, Nathan, that's your baby. I'll let you do your thing because you love the crypto. No, I, I do. I find it like intellectually pretty interesting, especially in a time where you have, you know, you and I, the under the, the underlying theme of a lot of what we're talking about is the manipulation of price discovery and that sort of thing. And Bitcoin was created, right, um, to kind of um, combat that. And so I think it's interesting to see that this has been a sort of inflation hedge that it was meant to be. Um, and it really has been uh, attracted a lot of attention from the crowd who are not in favor of what the Federal Reserve is doing, which I'm surprised that you are not a coiner guy, Dami. But just look at that support level that we see. It's between 40,000 and 42,000. Here we are above the 200-day moving average. We're still in a series of kind of lower highs here. But let's see. Our friend over at CoinShares, Meltem Demers, she's saying 100,000 by year end, guy. That would be a double from here. Let's keep an eye on those support levels. Let's see if we can get through those highs from early September. It really looked like it was going to break out and had that flash crash. I think above those highs, then you're kind of working your way back to the prior highs from the spring. Before we get to Chris Vecchio, I just want to say, I mean, I'm wondering, though, if this rally in, in Bitcoin has been predicated on this dramatic sell-off we've seen in some of these high-flying tech names. That's for another story. Let's bring in Chris Vecchio, senior strategist at Daily FX. Chris, first of all, how are you? I am curious. And second of all, you've heard us waxing poetic thoughts before we get into your charts. I'm doing well. I mean, besides the Mets being bounced from the regular season, the Jets finally got a win, and yes. the Knicks are back next week. So I tonight, guess I, Knicks playing tonight. They're playing the Pacers at the Garden tonight. I don't know how many people are going to be watching now with Sox Yankees on. Uh, I certainly will be watching the, the Sox Yankees game. But you know, right now, I think uh, we're in a lot of agreement about what's happening here. Uh, what we're seeing with the long end of the yield curve, a lot of that is due to inflation, and is due to the fact that the Federal Reserve is leaning more and more into a potential taper. I think this week is actually pretty big for this taper discussion insofar as uh, we do have the non-firm payrolls report coming up mm-hmm. on Friday. And according to the Atlanta Fed's jobs calculator, the economy only needs about 435,000 jobs per month over the next year to get back to its pre-pandemic state of 3.5% unemployment rate. Uh, and so we're looking at an estimate of 435K for uh, this particular uh, upcoming jobs report. It's right on the nose. It looks like that would be another piece or roadmark that the Fed can look to and say, you know what, we are able to go ahead with our taper. And so when we look at Fed rate hike odds, those continue to perk up. The market's pricing in four full hikes through the end of 2023. We see that the U.S. Mm -hmm. Treasury yield curve continues to evolve in a manner that suggests it's very similar to what happened in 2014. 
all this is good news for the greenback. I think dollar index strength is here to stay. I think that we've had a little bit of a fit and start here coming off of that 94 and a half level, but we should be looking for higher prices here henceforth. What's good for the greenback is not so great for gold. So let's take a look at that. And again, I, you know, I've, I've tried to stay steadfast. It's getting more and more difficult. Rates going higher seems to be a bit of a headwind um, for gold as well. Thoughts on this gold chart that you brought? Yeah, so this gold chart is, is messy. We've seen a lot of support give way over the past several months. We're trying to get back into that descending channel that was in place from the highs last year. But everyone keeps telling me that gold should be going higher because of what's happening with Evergrande and China and the U.S. debt ceiling. Look, there's two things that I have to say about that. One, if the debt ceiling debate was really something critical, that we were hurtling towards a catastrophic default, would the House of Representatives have held their annual baseball game last week? Probably not. They probably would have been spending more time actually at their desk figuring out a solution to this. But moreover, when you go back to 2011, when the U.S. lost its AAA rating on August 5th, gold prices peaked on September 6th that year. And then we had the highs in place for a decade. So even if there is some concern coming into play about the U.S. default, I know that credit default swap levels have risen recently for the U.S., it's not translating into a good environment for gold. And so I think the headwinds are considerable here. Uh, you have to be looking to sell rallies right now. If you're looking at gold, if you're looking at silver, they're not benefiting from this inflationary impulse that's making its way through energy markets. Let's take a look at the euro. But I just it's interesting that Barbara Streisand actually wrote the song about Evergrande back in 1976 for the Stars Born soundtrack. It's amazing. She was prescient. Uh, you've been prescient in your call here in terms of the euro breaking down, brother. Yeah, the euro has its own problems, but the key factor for me is this inflation differential. If you look historically, whenever the EU-US inflation differential is at the levels that it has been persisting at for the past few months, it typically speaks to a rougher environment six months forward for euro dollars. So right now, the euro itself now bound below that cluster of Fibonacci retracements that held up as the former yearly support right around that 116.65 level. That's given way. Momentum has been picking up to the downside here. I wouldn't be surprised if we see euro dollar trading below 115 in the near term. And of course, that means dollar index is probably going north through 95 in short order as well. What does it mean for the pound, though? You know, the British pound has been quite interesting because very much like what's going on with China, where we have this energy headlines coming out of the news, the UK seems to be dealing with the shortage of gasoline supplies right now. And Boris Johnson is fending off all criticism that it has to do with Brexit. But Uh, The fact of the matter is that the pound is looking weaker and weaker, breaking through technical support. We still have this series of lower highs and lower lows in place. There's not really much to like here from that technical perspective. If there's anything that the pound can hang its hat on, perhaps, it's due to the fact that the Bank of England is looking to raise rates faster than previously anticipated. They are already going through a QE withdrawal. It's likely that accelerates over the coming months. Higher rates won't resolve the fuel issues, but it's still something that the Bank of England is gearing towards. Ultimately, perhaps the pound's descent versus the dollar is slowed a little bit as relative inflation and interest rate differentials are narrower than, say, what's the difference between the EU and the U.S. But overall, the pound, the third largest component of the DXY index, it looks like it's ready to be dragged lower as well. Dollar yen, they talk about being the risk on, risk off. Um, You know, we saw obviously a huge risk off yesterday in equities. It's interesting. Dollar yen's fascinating here. You know, I can't figure it out. I think you may have, but you know, I thought we were going to definitely break out through that 112, 113 level, but sort of been sideways again, like the Russell in a lot of ways since the spring. Absolutely. You know, we, we did see that breakout coming at the uh, end of September here as those Fed rate hot hike odds rallied. And as U.S. Treasury yields go up, look, the JGBs, they are basically dead in the water. They're called the widow maker for a reason because 
you put capital in them and then nothing happens. You just lose margin. You lose any funds that you solicit there. So uh, the way that I see this happening is if the BOJ is not going to be changing rates anytime soon, even with a change in prime minister over there, uh, this is a one-way street for which way U.S. interest rate differentials are moving. And that right now is to the top side. We talk about crude oil prices running higher. It's something that we've been talking about for several months, potentially breaking out because of the supply-demand imbalance. OPEC doesn't seem to be doing anything that would be considerable for resolving this issue. And so that means inflation pressures are likely to remain. That means you have higher interest rates in the U.S. That means you have a stronger dollar yen. The big thing that could pull this back would be much more considerable weakness in equity markets. But right now, dollar yen is the tell for which way the greenbacks going, mm-hmm. and that is to the top side. I agree with that. You mentioned widow maker. I think a widow's peak was something that happened sort of during whaling times when uh, the brides would go to the top of their homes and look out over the ocean to see if their husbands or boyfriends were coming back from their trips out to sea. I read Moby Dick. I, I don't know if that's interesting or not, but I just thought I'd bring it up. Chris Vecchio. I want to thank you a great deal. Dan Nason, some closing thoughts before we thank our sponsors. I am Ishmael. Um, here's the thing, Guy Adami. Um, I, I like Chris's stuff, man. I mean, it kind of jives with what you and I are thinking. Um, you know, that dollar breaking out could be really an impactful thing. I mean, a lot of people like yourself have called the breakout in yields. It'd be interesting if those things go together. And then it will be interesting to see what happens to commodities, because that is the key right here. I think those rising um, prices is, is one of the things that could keep equities at bay right here. And, and listen, don't forget, we're going to be in Q3 earnings period uh, in the next couple of weeks here, kicked off by the banks, which have obviously shown some really good relative strength over the last few weeks as rates have gone higher and equities have gone lower. Um, let's see what Q4 guidance looks like. Let's see what Q3 uh, GDP looks like, because to me, I suspect it's going to be disappointing here. And I expect more volatility for stocks. You mentioned Bay, Jason Bay, of course, another player the Mets brought in that was a star until he got to Shea Stadium, and then he was just miserable. <laughs> it's amazing what happens there. I want to thank our guest today, the great, and he is great, Chris Vecchio. He's in on it with us. He's having fun. Senior strategist at Daily FX. Today's macro setup was brought. Get ready, Dan. Today's macro setup was brought to you by our presenting sponsors, Open Exchange. They manage virtual meetings that matter for the top companies around the world, and of course, Nadex. The leading U.S. exchange for binary options, call spreads, and knockouts. Damn straight knockouts. We'll see you next Tuesday, the 12th of October. See you then. Thanks for joining. Thank you.